Welcome to Pick Up and Deliver, the podcast where I pick up my audio recorder as I head out for a walk and deliver an episode to you while I stroll around. I'm Brendan Riley. Well, good afternoon, listeners. It is late in the afternoon on December 2nd. I'm walking home from the game store, having picked up a gift. It's the holiday season after all. And I am looking forward to talking to you about three new games. That's right, it's been a little while, so it's time for Shooting from the Hip Triple Shot. Now, you may have had a premonition about what games I would talk about because in the Top of the Stack episode last time, I listed a bunch of games I haven't talked about yet that I played last month. Now, of course, because I went for a couple weeks without making any episodes, I'm a little behind on reporting to you on the games that I've played, so I'm happily catching up on those. So here we go with another round of them. All right, this time we're going to have three games plus one flashback. I think I'm going to add the flashback as part of the Top of the Stack episodes, and we'll see how that goes. You tell me, you reach out and tell me if you like that idea, if you enjoy the flashback and want me to keep keep going with those. So the first of the... New games that I played is Robin Hood, The Adventures of Robin Hood, published by Cosmos in 2021, designed by Michael Menzel, and art is also by Michael Menzel. Michael Menzel is perhaps best known as the designer and artist for Legends of Andor, which is a sort of interesting story-based game that involves some fighting and some push-your-luck, and it feels like that's a little bit of what's going on here in The Adventures of Robin Hood. Now, we've only played one game of this, and this is a campaign-based game. So as we go along, I'm told the story gets better. A friend of mine, this is actually a game I gave to a friend as a gift, and he and his girlfriend played all the way through it, and then he handed it back to me and said, you guys should play this, it's fun. So my wife and I broke it out and tried the first game of it, and we got the hang of it and played the first scenario. But there are a whole bunch of scenarios to play, and each one is a little bit different. So here's the gimmick with The Adventures of Robin Hood. The board is essentially a, it's full of little inset tiles that are numbered. So you have a map of the castle of Nottingham and the surrounding area, and it's full of numbered areas with these little um, tile insets that have pictures on one side, and then you can pop them out, and there's a picture on the other side, and there might be a picture of some icons underneath, and they give you information about what's going on. And then the game comes with a book, an honest-to-goodness book, bound hardcover with a couple ribbons for keeping your page. And it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure game mixed with a, or choose-your-own-adventure story mixed with a light gameplay component. There's a really interesting movement mechanism where your character has four tokens. There's a standing token, uh, two walking tokens, and a running token. And the standing token is just what it sounds like. Your character is standing still. The walking token, your character is walking, and then there's like a thin wooden piece sticking out behind them, sort of indicating the momentum that they are exerting as they're walking. Uh, And then you have a running token where there's a long wooden piece sticking out behind them. So if you want your character to run, you use all four tokens, and you kind of line them up, and it shows where you're moving to. And where you put your base at the end of the movement is where your character ends. So there's a very tactile, practical kind of miniature measuring practice that happens as you are uh, working your way through the board. 
it's pretty neat. And then, like I said, the game is full of sort of choose your own adventure style story prompts that get activated at various times based on how you move and how you interact with the enemies. Now, there are a number of enemy tokens as well, and then there are lots of story beats. The game is going to play out over the course of, I think, 10 adventures, maybe eight adventures, and we will get to see what Robin Hood does in relationship to the Sheriff of Nottingham. Uh, the first play was an amusing demonstration of the way that the mechanisms work and the way that the board works. It wasn't a real good grabber. Like, I don't find myself super compelled to go back, but my friend says the story is pretty great and that we should give it a couple more plays. So on that recommendation, I think we will try the next round and see how that goes. So I'm looking forward to trying that, but the, the first play was just okay for my mind. He said, he said it's a slow start and it gets better. So that's The Adventures of Robin Hood, published in 2021 from Cosmos Games. So the next game I'm going to talk about is Screaming Eagles. Screaming Eagles is a board game from 1987. It comes in the wide, thin box, sort of like Clue or Risk or any of the classic games. You know, the boxes may be um, 15 inches long by eight inches wide by one and a half inch tall or one inch tall. So it's a wide, narrow, it's a wide, flat box. Kind of the classic old board game style box. On the cover, there are some exciting jets and missiles shooting everywhere. It's a garish celebration of 1980s excitement. It's from 1987, which I did not look up when Top Gun happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if this game is attempting to capitalize on Top Gun mania. Uh, in this game, you play one of two squadrons of jets who are not ascribed to any particular um, nation or political motive. You are just in combat with the other squad of jets. It is uh, without story, at least without broad story or motivation. It is just a, a skirmish game. Uh, that said, the two groups of jets, you're either the green jets or the blue jets, and you, each jet has its own designation. Uh, the way the game works, you have a grid, a sort of grid of diamonds, and you have these little jet miniatures that ha sit on um, sit on stands, and you put them on the board, uh, and then you secretly designate what you're going to be doing. Sort of recalls back to a number of sort of dogfight games where the idea is that you choose what you're going to do simultaneously, and then you reveal and find out, did you anticipate your opponent's maneuvers in a way that's going to get you success, or are you doomed? Uh, that's the way this game works. Did you uh, anticipate your opponent's maneuvers? If so, then you end up maybe behind them, maybe in a position where you can launch missiles at them, ready to do all kinds of damage. Um, the mechanisms are actually pretty neat. You have a board that shows your jet's ammunition and your jet's uh, uh, health. And the board is filled with little holes and it comes with a bunch of little plastic pegs, not dissimilar to the ones that you get in Battleship, for example. Uh, and you fill up the ammunition section at the beginning of your game and whenever you fire, you remove a peg from the ammunition section. And if you hit your opponent, you put that peg from the ammunition section in the opponent's jet in the appropriate spot. Uh, there is, of course, dice rolling involved, but there's a, a level of surety that most of the time you know what it's going to do, but you could miss, and there's some excitement in that. 
Um, again, a big part of it is anticipating where your opponent's going to go. I'm not going to explain all the movement because this is a podcast and I can't show you how the movement works. Suffice it to say that it was reasonably compelling and we played it for, it took about 25 minutes. The game goes until one team is entirely eliminated, which if you're playing four players, that means if one person's jet gets destroyed, they're out of the game, which is, you know, less common in modern gaming, but still a thing that can happen. And in a game that takes a half an hour, not that big a deal. So overall, Screaming Eagles, as far as being a game from 1987 that I'd never heard of, it's moderately fun. Uh, I had a good time playing it. Um, as, an, as an amusing thing to have in my collection, it's worth keeping. Uh, it does have a couple neat mechanisms in terms of thinking about what it's like to try to simulate a dogfight on a game board. But overall, you know, it's not going to be a game I break out every week. It's not going to become a lifestyle game for me. But if you get a chance to try it and you're in a reasonably goofy mood, I would say, yeah, go for it. Screaming Eagles. Uh, published by Hasbro and Milton Brasley, designed by Jim Kiefer with artist Paul Alexander. Uh, if you'll forgive me a moment, I'm clicking on Jim Kiefer here to see what other games Jim Kiefer worked on. Uh, he mostly worked on games for Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley. Uh, it looks like he came, he invented Seenit. He also came up with Thunder Road and a number of other games. He's credited with 27 games on BoardGameGeek, so certainly not a not a slouch in terms of the games that he designed for Hasbro. So that was Screaming Eagles. For the flashback, I was going to talk about Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica is a game I hadn't played in a year and a half or so. It's good, but it's never a game that's really clicked for me. Um, Something about the nuances and the mechanisms mean that it's very hard for me. The two times I've been a Cylon, which was once early, one of my first plays of Battlestar Galactica, I was a Cylon and I kind of ruined it for myself. And then in this play, I was a Cylon, I was more sneaky, but I still said something thinking that I understood a rule and then I didn't understand the rule and had basically given myself away as a Cylon, not having understood the rule, which was frustrating. Um, it does teach the lesson that in a social deduction game, when you're the betrayer, it, the game really needs to do a good job of helping you understand the rules without giving away that you're the betrayer. And I find that part to be lacking in Battlestar Galactica. So uh, if you get a chance, it is a great game, really interesting, really well worth playing, just not to my taste, perhaps. And I think, I mean, you know, if a group of friends are playing it and they want one more person, there's not obviously another game for me to play. I'll certainly play. But... If there's two tables setting up, one is BSG, and the other one is something else that I enjoy, I'll probably play this something else. So those are my thoughts on the flashback of Battlestar Galactica. If you want to try Battlestar Galactica now and you don't have access to a copy, Fantasy Flight recently released a game called Unfathomable, Unfathomable which is a reskin of Battlestar Galactica in the Cthulhu Arkham Horrors or Arkham Files universe, which is necessary because they don't own the rights to Battlestar Galactica anymore. All right, the third, third game I'm going to talk about, I don't have a lot to say. This is a game called Bali from 1954, published by Milton Bradley. Uncredited in terms of game design, uh, but it was published under the Avalon Hill Company as well. So Bali is a word-based card game in which you are sort of collecting sets and building words in front of you. And it's got a sort of solitaire style card management, Klondike Solitaire, where you have these columns of cards and... You can move pieces of them as long as when you move them you are making whole words 
when you move them. It was fine. I imagine it's the sort of game that if you played it a few times and got pretty good at it, it would be fun. But on a first play, it was just pretty meh. And as far as word games go, there are other word games I like much better. And so it's hard to be very enthusiastic about this old, this old game. Um, so if you get a chance to play Bali, I think it's worth trying, especially if you're a really big word game fan, but probably not worth seeking out, except maybe as an amusement. I believe the copy we played my friend got at the Goodwill for $3 or $2. And so at that price, it's probably worth trying. I thought so anyway. So what games have you been playing? I'd love to hear. You could send me a direct message on BoardGameGeek. Wombat929 is my username. Or you could join the BoardGameGeek Guild for this podcast. There's a fair amount of activity over there lately. So if you posted something about the games you've been playing, I'm sure people would join in and join the conversation. I want to say thanks for joining me on my walk today. I hope that your next walk is as pleasant as mine was. Bye-bye. Brought to you by Rattlebox Games.